Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for logging on today to Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm glad to be with you today. And with me in the studio is Reverend Vicki Cundiff. And joining us remotely, Pastor Don, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald from Danforth, Illinois. And a little bit closer, but also remotely, is Mick Wells. And Mick is going to be sharing with us today a topic about the judgment seat of Christ. And as we were kind of sharing just for a few moments before this uh, program began, I was so interested to read these notes, Mick, that um, you're speaking to me, even if we don't speak to anybody in the audience, but I really hope we do speak to a lot of people in the audience. Even if you don't speak to them, it has already spoken to me. So I want to thank you for all the work that you've done on these notes, and I look forward to what you have to share with us today. Sure. Well, uh, the subject today is the judgment seat of Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that it's appointed unto each of us to live once and after that the judgment. So we, we may have various concepts of what that really means, uh, to individuals, but I find this particular topic uh, very exhilarating, very interesting, intriguing, um, possibly a little scary because we, although we know we're going to be judged, we don't know quite the nature of the stage we're going to be on, on the who's going to witness this, but we do know that the Lord has promised that we are going to be judged. And when you think about the concept of, of judgment in scriptures, it's not just one. We're gonna be focused primarily on the judgment of Christians as described in the Bible, but there's also judgment that none of us wants to be at. It's called a white throne judgment described in, in Revelation we might draw some analogies to that or comparisons. Um, we're also told it very intriguingly that the Lord's people will judge the world. So you and I may have a role to play in judgment. It's, it's not explicitly described what that role is, but we're going to, as, Lord, as the Lord's people, we're going to judge the world. There's even a scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 3 that says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? And I don't have a lot of uh, background or explanation for that, but isn't that intriguing? Um, the uh, Psalms, I think it is, says that uh, we were made a little lower than the angels. Well, guess what? The Bible tells us we're not, we are going to judge angels someday. So we have <clears throat> at least three judgments and maybe more. Um, one of unbelievers, we don't want to be at that one. We're going to have a role in the judgment of angels in some fashion. There's a judgment specifically called the, <clears throat> the sheep and the goats judgment. 
But what I want to deal with is the judgment of believers. And Pete, as you talked about, the judgment seat of Christ, which many scholars call the Bema seat of Christ. And uh, our key verse that I've asked Don to share with us comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse 10. And Don, could you share that? Sure. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Yes, the, we're going to be returning to that scripture uh, quite a bit. Um, a related scripture I've asked Pete to share is from Romans 14.10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Yeah, that uses the term God. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ, of course, is mentioned in Second Corinthians. <clears throat> One of the things that's important to do, and I'm trying to do this more and more in my devotions, is put things in context. It's very easy to grab a scripture and run with it, some people even make doctrines out of single scriptures. But let's consider a little bit of context too. Who are <clears throat> the words that Jesus, or excuse me, that Paul spoke, who are they addressed to uh, in Don's scripture that he read? Well, looking at it, it's addressed to those who believe. In it's to a church, right? Yeah. It's yeah, to believe in the church. Yep. Yeah. It's to the church at Corinth. And so <clears throat> he's referring there, uh, Paul is, to the judgment seat of Christ, and he's telling a church, the church, he's telling believers that we're all going to appear before Christ's judgment seat. And another thing I want to point out as we go, and, and perhaps repetitively, sometimes we get down on the whole idea of works. For Christians, we certainly do not earn salvation through works. However, works are extremely important and no less so in the judgment seat of Christ, which is sometimes called the Bema seat. So we'll be talking a little bit about the significance of works. When people read this, sometimes I'm afraid they think they have to work for salvation. We need to make very clear in our study today that works are judged in relation to rewards and not they're not essential to salvation. In fact, it can't be. You know, None of us can work our way into God's good graces. I think the Bible is very clear about that. You know, Mick, when, when I was talking to my wife about this, because uh, I had never really thought about the Bema seat before, I said, it's sort of like seniors award night. Yeah. You know, you're, you're getting ready to graduate. You know you're there. And all of a sudden you get these extra things given to you, not just your diploma, but on top of the diploma. So when, when I was looking over this, my wife sort of like, what is Bema? And I said, well, it's seniors award night. So, you know, if people are sort of wondering online, you know, what this concept is, I, I think just think about, you know, awards you earn after you've completed something. 
Yeah. Great, great uh, comment, Don. I like that um, a whole lot. Um, because that was one of those things, and I don't know, Mick, if we're going to try to get into this a little bit later or if this is going to be running a little bit uh, off track of where we're going. One of the things that was challenging me was that kind of exactly what Don said. It's like senior appreciation night or senior awards night at graduation. You know, I'm remembering one particular senior who I thought did a wonderful job, and I'm not talking about myself. I did not do a wonderful job in school, but um, I'm remembering one who did a wonderful job in school and really was watching as friend after friend of theirs kept getting all these acknowledgments and everything else, and this person got, like, nothing extra. And it's getting me to wonder, how is this changing my concept of what heaven is going to be like um you know are there going to be people out there this is the this is what i came up with it's an old story it's just a story you know about a man who survived the johnstown flood in johnstown pennsylvania all these years ago and he made his living from then on talking about how he survived the johnstown flood and of course this is just a joke he got he died and went to heaven and he asked saint peter can i tell people about the john Johnstown flood up here, and 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 Saint Peter says, "Well, sure, but you have to understand, there's a guy named Noah up here too." <laughs> he won't be impressed, right? <laughs> yeah, and so that's what I'm kind of wondering: is my is my my understanding of what heaven will be like? Is this going to change when I'm thinking about rewards? Because are there going to be people who are looked at as more important than others in in heaven? It just kind of kind of brings that question out a little bit in my mind. Yeah, I think we will get into that because uh, I think the Bible does uh, speak in some fashion to degrees of rewards and degrees of of even punishment on the on the negative side for those unbelievers. Um, I think we need to keep in mind that guys, heaven is the reward. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not so much about. I don't ever think about what what I'm going to do, you know, as far as any kind of reward system, I never, ever think about that. Jesus said that the last would be first and the first would be last. And when he said that, he was letting everybody know that no matter when you came to Christ, you was going to get the same reward. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone was going to get heaven. Well, that's a good point, Vicki. Uh, the fact of the matter is I can think about the judgment seat of Christ with great comfort, just knowing that because I'm there, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus who saved me. I'll be right. with him for, forever. Yeah. And one of the things that's, I think, difficult for us here in this world is we do not know a world yet, and that's I have to say the word yet, that is not infected and affected by sin. So I find it, I find myself unable to comprehend how there won't be this idea of that sinful part of us that wants to make things better for us, maybe even be better than another person, you know, kind of the jealousy, kind of the envy. We we live in a world that has these things already, and I can't comprehend yet because we don't live in that kind of a world yet where those things don't come into play. And so this is what I'm saying is it's giving me a little bit different 
uh, way to think about what heaven is going to be like. Vicki, as you said, though, the reward is heaven. Like Don would have said, the reward is we graduated. Um, you know, that that's that's part of what it's all about. I think that's going to be the, the uh, interesting but, part. Know, as, as, as Mick's developing this, like I said before, our time, you know, I, I've done internment services forever here in Danforth, being here almost 28 years in May. And I, I, every time I read that internment liturgy, you know, blessed are those who die in the Lord henceforth, blessed are the saints for their deeds follow them. And all of a sudden, you know, like, like I was saying to Mick ahead of time, deeds follow them is Bema. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is that. And, and I think it's in one breath, I'm with Vicki. Hey, we've made it to heaven. But in another breath, I, I remember a dear saint who passed away at 34. Um, she, she was sort of like, hey, as long as my husband's with me and I hope he doesn't do too much good while here on earth, because I'm not sure where I'm going to be in heaven. You know, will we be worshiping next to each other, as it were? You know, you sort of have that feeling with Bema. And um, I, I, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept to really try to put your head around and i'm sorry to veer you off your notes mick um but yeah you're fine that's um there are many things to uh examine about standing before uh the lord our, our ticket to do that at this judgment of course is salvation and uh i'm going to be absolutely thrilled just to be there on the other <laughs> hand <laughs> when my good and, and bad uh things are uh, there in judgment, I have to rely upon the grace of Jesus Christ yes. to be yep. able to even think about uh, standing before him. Yep, Mick, you know, I hate to interrupt us at this point, but you know what? We do need to take our quick break for a sponsor, and we haven't even scratched the surface, but we need to take a break already. And so, Mick, uh, we'll be right back, and I'm looking forward to what you have to share with us. Welcome back to our program of Reconciling Grace. We're in, engaged in looking at a very uh, fascinating subject, the judgment seat of Christ, that some call the Bema seat judgment. Now, we've talked about we're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in, in the judgment, and I'm speak, speaking specifically of Christians, believers, who will stand before the Lord in judgment. Now, the word judgment means different things to different people. I read that, uh, like English, even uh, the Greek words for judgment don't distinguish between um, penalties or punishment versus rewards or good things and commendations. So, um, Let's take a look at what we're talking about then, since it can have kind of a double meaning. So what is the Bema? Well, Paul refers to uh, the Bema in scriptures that uh, we have from him. And Paul liked to relate to the people in the Grecian area of Corinth and so forth, because they could relate to competitions. They, the Olympics kind of go back to Greece days, and um, 
The bema that Paul refers to at that time, it was known as a podium for awarding prizes to competitors in an athletic competition. Now, when somebody wins a medal in today's Olympics, they put them up on what? A three-tiered podium? You typically see medals made of what? Gold, silver, and bronze. At least the color. They probably aren't gold, real gold, real silver. But it's a, the highest award. The gold medal is given to somebody who's on the highest level there. The podium was called uh, the bema. And I want to pick this point in time to explain that the word for judgment in the Greek is bema. Now, that's where we're getting this to uh, apply to the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ. Um, it has another meaning, too, because in the large Olympic arenas way back in the biblical times, the Bema was an elevated seat that the judge sat on. So I saw two different interpretations. One is the victors of the competition would stand on uh, a platform or podium. And then in the old Olympic days, there was a judge on an elevated seat called the Bema seat, and they would judge the contest. Now, keep in mind that people who competed and won a prize or won recognition, they didn't get called up to the Bema seat to be flogged or beaten or punished. It wasn't that type of interpretation, okay? The Bema seat back then, in conjunction with Olympics, was a place where people received rewards. And have you ever seen a picture of like, um, oh, I don't know, the, the leader of the Roman Empire with this laurel wreath upon their head? And I didn't know if it was to cover up baldness or what. But that's the kind of crown that would be given mm -hmm. at an Olympic event back in the, in the early days of Grecian Olympics. So when we talk about the Bema for this purpose, this judgment, thank heavens we're talking about commendations and awarding of recognition. And um, we're talking about uh, rewards from, from Jesus at the Bema seat. But um, <clears throat> I'd like to read something that, that I found that summarizes this again, but it says a little better than I just tried. It says, in athletic competition, the Bema was not a judicial bench where someone was condemned. Uh, to the contrary, it was a reward seat. And uh, when we stand before Jesus, it's good to know that we're not there to be punished or condemned. Uh, give all credit to the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for uh, for our sins. Amen. The Lord will gather every member of his church as kind of a divine umpire. He's going to gather us before the Bema seat for the purpose of examining each one for what we've done as Christians in his service. And he's going to give proper reward to each one of us. Now, just to reiterate, we are not going to stand before God with our salvation on the line. That's a great relief to me. Mm -hmm. 
we're going to stand there and be judged and rewarded based upon our faithfulness. Um, I like the way Paul describes his Christian race in terms that his audience could relate to. He was talking to people that originated the Olympic Games, and he, and he used terms familiar to them. Vicki, I've asked you to share with us a couple verses from Paul that uh, allude to um, the race that Christians run. Would you share with us 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 26? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we would do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Now, if we were to unpack that, there's a lot to be said. Uh, I would like to comment in one, in one manner, even though Paul is talking to people who could relate to Olympic competition, we can't carry the analogy too far. In, in my opinion, and I'd like your thoughts on this, our Christian race is not a competition. I am not competing against Pete Vecchi or Vicki Cundiff or Don to earn the prize. I, I don't see it as a competition. I see it as a matter of faithfulness in running the race that the Lord has laid out for, for me. What do you think? Well, as I said earlier, it's kind of hard for me to understand, to comprehend what it's going to be like in heaven apart from this sinful world and these sinful thoughts that make me want to be better than somebody else. Um, it, I don't know how to describe it because if there are prizes to be had, part of me in this life, I want to win that prize and I want to get the better prize after I've gotten a good prize and I want to get the next better prize after I've gotten the better prize. And I don't know how that's going to be. I don't know how God is going to uh, make it in that way where we're not bothered if we don't do, quote, as well, unquote, as the next person. I don't know what life is like without there being some form of temptation to jealousy or to envy or to something like that. So I, I believe that when we live in heaven, um, out of this world, meaning out of this sinful world that is infected with sin right now, there are going to be so many parts of it that I just don't understand. It's going to be like, how do you live without this struggle? Or is struggle part of it, but we want to struggle in a good way? It, it's just beyond my comprehension right now, Mick, and I don't know that I have a great answer, but the best way that I could put it is, have you ever gone out and and you know been in some type of a sporting competition. One of the things that I like to do, for instance, is play golf. I am not good at golf, but at the same time, you know, I know I'm not going to beat the, the person I'm playing with, but hey, I got a birdie on this hole, which very, 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 very rarely happens. But then when my friend gets a birdie on another hole, I feel good for that person too. You know, th there's not going to be sin in heaven. There's not going to be status. There's not going to be pride. There's not going to be any of that. And uh, from this scripture, what I get from it, he's just using an analogy here. 
But what he's saying is run to get the prize of heaven. That, in this scripture, that's really the only thing that he's talking about as far as a reward because he's, he's letting them know, don't, don't give up. Don't go back into sin. Mm. Keep on pressing forward. You know, don't, you've got to run the entire race. You know, you get to stay faithful the whole time um, is what I, I'm convinced that he's saying here and get that crown, the crown of heaven uh, that we're going to receive one day. Yeah, and I, I think the Bible makes it pretty clear that the, the expectations of our God are in relation to what we've been entrusted with. There's a scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so that's why I don't see myself being compared, if you will, to my fellow Christians. God will say, I gave you this much. What did you do with it? And I see that as... as uh, Part of what would be aired at the uh, the bema seat judgment. Well, Vicky, would you share with us uh, scripture Second Timothy four verses seven to eight? Now we're talking about here where Paul is getting to the end of his life, and this is what how he characterizes his service for the Lord. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, but not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'll tell you what, I fit that last part. I am longing for his appearing. Mm. Uh, in, in this mortal body at this point in my life, I, I don't go a, a day without wishing that the Lord, praying that the Lord will return. I know he will. I just hope it happens soon. But I, this is what we want to, um, to hear fr from the Lord, that, um, that we have done well with what he's given us, uh, finishing the race, keeping the faith. And notice here, and we're going to talk about this, if not in, in, later in this program, but because we're coming to the end, but there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, and the crowns we're going to talk about, because the Bible talks about crowns for Christians at, in terms of rewards for our faithfulness in service. Now, um, let's say here, I've got a note that I think we ought to share. With the death of Christ on the cross, the destiny of the Christian has been once and for all settled. There's no condemnation for those who have believed in Christ. To me, the, the Bema seat will boil down to, were we faithful? We're not going to be condemned, cast out of heaven, cast out of his presence. We are going to be in the presence of God under his care and with him forever and ever in glory. And so there's a scripture that says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And a related scripture in John 5, 24, I share with you, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, this is Jesus talking, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from, life to de from death to life. And that's the position we're going to be in when we face our maker and our savior. That's great to think about 
Um, we have just started scratching the surface here, Mick. I know I use that term a lot, but uh, this is such good stuff. And just bringing out the fact that there are different judgments and different judgment seats is very, very interesting. And I hope that our audience who has been listening um, is finding it as interesting as we are. And we're not going to stop here. We're going to keep on going with um, another episode on this topic. So for Vicki Cundiff, for Don McDonald, Mick Wells, this is Pete Vecchi. We'll see you next time with Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.